come on and sit down and watch this with me. You know you want to watch it. And I want you to watch it too. Come on. So aliens, they're in the news. Did you guys see that shit? Oh yeah. I did not. So there's a, a a video that was released by this guy who like worked for the CIA or something that was part of this I forget the acronym, but it was like this like program that started in two thousand seven to like investigate like craft that they don't understand or know anything about. It ran from like two thousand seven to two thousand twelve and this guy is like used to head it and he was like there's aliens out there i have proof and he posted this video that was collected from the navy and it was like the most you know evidence-based video that they had that they collected and you know it's like any other ufo sighting video that you've seen where it's like some amorphous blob off in the distance that's moving (laughs) something out of focus yeah you can't tell what it is or where how far it is or whatever you know but it's you know it's pretty weird and it's pretty terrifying hearing you know like people in these airplanes be like what the fuck is that shit it is moving like nothing i've ever seen before you know and so you know it's caused quite the buzz you know yeah i think uh uh, i saw something on twitter is from uh uh juan paul brammer and he said uh aliens give us just enough to keep us interested in them but never fully commit to seeing us so yes it is likely they are gay men (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty hilarious (laughs) yeah um but uh, I, uh, um, I, I've been listening to a, a skeptics podcast and uh, it, it caused me to look at this in a different light. And it was like, A, it's like out of focus. They're like just assuming its shape and size and everything. Yeah. Like B, like everyone automatically assumes that it's it has to be aliens and they just override any other, like anything else, you know. And that's such a huge leap that it drives me insane like people are like oh well no one knows what it is so it, it must be aliens yeah, yeah it couldn't be like some experimental aircraft for chance or, or something, something that we yeah. just don't understand yeah. yet you know and it'd be a natural phenomenon <laughs> right or like, or, yeah. yeah well yeah that's kind of the thing with like ufos are always like tied to aliens but like in and of themselves they're just literally unidentified Unidentified flying objects so it's (laughs) just like like they could literally be anything but they always yeah end up getting tied to aliens yeah yeah, so um, I, I I always find that hilarious. It's like that's not that's not evidence. Yeah, like, give me evidence, uh, and then I'll, you, I'll believe you're just you. Just a big old Dana Scully about it. You know, I, uh, yes, <laughs> God damn it, I want to believe. <laughs> All right, are we ready, guys? Yeah, yeah I think hey, we're ready. hey everybody, welcome to yet another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host Dennis, and I am joined by my two lovely, beautiful, and talented co-hosts, Colin and Craig. How are you both? Good, good. I'm good, Dennis. Oh, Excited to talk about this. I'm movie. sure you are. <laughs> um, so, as uh, listeners know, we are in the middle of our uh, documentary block, and this is a movie that Colin has been itching for us to do for a while now, pretty, like almost pretty since much we since started. we started the podcast. <laughs> and that is uh, the the Canon Films documentary, Electric Boogaloo. Um, so, uh, before Colin claws my eyes out. Um, I'm going to let him talk about this, so take it away, Colin. So yeah, Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films is a documentary from 2014 
Uh, it's done by Mark Hartley. And it is just that. It's the wild story of Canon Films, which is a company that founded by Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus, who in the late 70s, early 80s, were the biggest film producers in Israel. Uh, they came to America. They bought a small company called Canon Films, and then they proceeded to kind of run the indie like B-movie market in America for a decade. Uh, started out making uh, skin flicks and cheap horror movies, uh, transitioned to make like more and more skin flicks, uh, started making uh, cheap, low-budget action movies. Um, eventually, they were making movies on such a scale, and they were acquiring so much capital that they just the company grew too big too fast, and they started believing that they could compete with the big studios, and they started making big budget movies that went off of their business model and eventually the company collapsed on itself and it's it's a story about these two guys and what wild characters they are and some of the crazy people that they hired to make these movies with them yeah and uh what, what blew me away about this is it ended and it was like uh it was canon films was like was, i forget who oh, said oh it. i have it exactly it's oh because this is the part that i actually do kind of tear up when when this title card comes up at the end, it says Menachem Golan and Yerim Globus were approached to appear in this film. They declined and announced they were making their own canon documentary called The Go-Go Boys. It beat this film to release by three months. <laughs> because that was another thing that canon would do is if like something was in production, they would go and take that same idea and then beat that movie to the box office. Because <laughs> yeah. right? they're like, we're, we'll just make the same thing. We'll make it faster. We'll make it cheaper. And, <laughs> and so they even after... Um, Golan and Globus split from each other, they were making, like, together, they were making competing Lombada movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which well, ended up coming out on the same day. Because they were trying to beat each other to the box office, and the movies came out the same day. Yeah, that's not what I was going to say, but uh, what I was oh. going to say... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, know what, I think I know what you're going to say, because I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, well, it, 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 well, it blew me away. I, I forget who said it at the end, but it was, it was basically like... Canon Films is responsible for action movies, like like how we know action movies now. Like they're yeah. responsible for that. And like I was like thinking about, it, I was like, right? Like action movies really didn't begin until Canon Films came online and just fucking made turned them into cartoons throughout the eighties. You know, <laughs> yeah, made just tons of these bonkers Chuck Norris films and right. <laughs> like ninja movies and just craziness. Yeah, but um, was that what you were gonna say? No, that no, wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was, I found it like one of the like final things that was said in the movie was when they were talking about they. Someone said that they were like the forerunners to the Weinstein's. Yes, and I was like, and oh, I was like, yeah. and I was like, obviously, like they like they're, couldn't they're have known the like Weinsteins. you know what was gonna happen. Well, yeah, like, like separated from like things that are in the news right now. He's talking about the Weinstein's in terms of the way they make movies and the movies that they make yeah. not about like harvey weinstein as a guy but at the same time i also feel like given you know especially like the, the early stuff in like a lot of the uh you know women in this documentary that are talking about their experiences working oh, with them yeah. i feel like there was probably also some of that as well like it was it was also like very exploitative oh, of, oh it was yeah. absolutely and, like i mean if you see just the characters that golan was and uh like in the directors that they would hire and yeah. stuff, particularly the, Michael Winner, just the sleaze and and how Canon films would operate with talent, where like they would find someone 
and then just like basically hijack their lives and yeah. just milk them for every fucking ounce that they have, you know, and be like, oh no, you're going to go on to better things. And it's just like more and more movies from you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's where the abuse I saw was like, this is just terrible. Like, that's where I'm like, like, like they, like, the, the 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 documentary kept on saying it's like oh well they were never on the inside of Hollywood and everything and it's like but this is like they they keep on showing me and telling me these stories that is quintessential Hollywood to me where it's just oh, these yeah. like producers just taking advantage of these people that just want to fucking work you know and and uh, I don't know I just well they, was they like, well, were on the they... fringes of Hollywood well, yeah, yeah like, and they... I understand why they said that like but at the same time it was like. This is Hollywood. This well, is like, such Hollywood. Yeah. Well, not even like just like want to work, but like actually, you know, like at, like people who, you know, want to be actors and want to, uh, you know, progress in their craft. And it kind of like for like Canon films in particular took a lot of those people and just kind of like kept them from like achieving that in, in a way of keeping them like locked in with this film production company that wasn't actually like committed to making quality movies that wasn't actually it was like it was just committed to putting out as much as possible like and not really committed to making anything that was actually on the level that i feel a lot of these actors wanted to get to right well to complete the quote that you were talking about earlier where the guy says they were the forerunners of the weinsteins what he says is but the weinsteins cared about quality yeah and canon just cared about production. They just cared about, like, let's get as many movies made as we can. Right. Yeah. Like, we make good movies, we make bad movies, we don't care, we just make movies. Yeah. And, and it, it, it cracked me up because, like, uh, there, there was one movie that they, that they covered, um, Barflies, and it was like, wow, that looks like a legitimately good movie. There are a few And, and, real, it, and it looked like it was really a legitimately good, good movie, but since it was produced by Canon Films, no one took it seriously. Well, on that same thing, the film, like, directly talks about a movie called Runaway Train. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And they say that if Runaway Train had been made by a studio, it would be considered an all-time classic because it's a really great film, but it having that Canon logo on it, right. it, like, people just don't know it. It's doomed to obscurity. Yep. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see. Um, I want to see Barflies as well. That one. I want to really see good. the Franco Zeffirelli Othello movie. Yeah, that looks like super legit. I want to see Breakin'. That looks dope. Yeah, the freaking breakdance movie. Oh yeah, I love how like what was it like his niece was like watching breakdance videos and he's like let's <laughs> yeah, make a movie let's yeah. do it and right away. But that's one of the strengths that Menachem Golan had was he had this ability to spot trends and something that's coming up in the culture and before like anything happens there's a movie being made about it right yeah. and Breakin was the thing the type of thing that like kept them really successful was to make all of these cheap fast movies and wait for one or two of them to hit big and then when they do you make a ton of money off of it breaking was a hugely financial successful film the problem was that then menachem golan thinks that oh i've cracked the code so they made a sequel (laughs) which is one of the most famously bad movies of all time and the the title title of this movie yeah the title is break into electric boogaloo (laughs) which is like nowadays a joke the term electric boogaloo yeah and it's definitely um yeah, like, you know, indicative of the, like, the, the movie system. I mean, it's like, you know, that that happens all the time. Like, it's just a matter of, like, like when a larger studio does it and they have more uh, money to back the movie, they can actually make something slightly better, at least in terms of, like, you know, like, production quality, even if it's not good in terms of, uh, you know, like, story or, like, narrative or, uh, you know, anything outside of it just looking pretty, you know, there's a lot more that they were able to do, but they were very much 
like functioning in a way that was like how movies were made. They were just doing it without, yeah, without committing in any way to the quality of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but when we're talking about like the break-in portion, I just love the interviews with everyone when they're talking about break-in and Shabadoo has the biggest ego. Like this dude is so... (laughs) fucking full of himself that like boogaloo shrimp is the one who's like more famous nowadays but shabadoo is saying like i was dean martin and he was my sidekick yeah and i'm like dude i had never heard of you before this i had heard of boogaloo shrimp (laughs) and everyone else like you're saying like you're the sensation and boogaloo shrimp was your sidekick it wasn't boogaloo shrimp like the freaking man like didn't they put him in everything and well yeah that's the one like he's the one like that everyone was talking about like out like even within this documentary right like everyone that was like talking about this movie was talking about boogaloo yeah and like then we yeah we get to shabadoo and he's like oh yeah it was all about me and like literally like the next scene is like oh yeah boogaloo was like and amazing then- boogaloo like did things that we'd never seen before <laughs> and like we couldn't even believe what we were seeing we would all stand around <laughs> and just watch him go <laughs> and, and then like shabadoo's like yeah that was that yeah me and then lucinda <laughs> dickey is also saying like yeah i arrived on that set and shabadoo made it like apparent right away that i was inferior to him and yeah it's just like wow what a dick yeah <laughs> it was just totally like uh like watching like the clips that they had from it was it was this is totally like save the last dance before save the last dance oh absolutely like, is, yeah yeah and it's crazy to see and, like, and in fact like save the last dance is basically just ripping off breaking yeah exactly <laughs> it's it's crazy how much like i guess you know like they said like you know it's kind of like you know throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks and so, like, yeah, because there is just such high volume, then, yeah, there's going to be something in there that, like, sticks and is influential and, like, lasts and has an impact on cinema. Right. And so, like, they they have, like, you know, like, the action movie, like, that they created, like, was 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 because they just stuck to this formula and kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and as a result, which is just so strange to me, is, like, I mean, no one's going to say Bloodsport's a good movie, you know? No. No. Except for our but dumbass president. No one's going to argue with that Bloodsport's not, like, an entertaining movie. Or no, it is. a fun it, movie. It, yeah, but, like, like, you can almost feel, like, you know, like, even, like, you know, like, um, well, like, I know, like, this is another really bad movie, but, like, Street Fighter was pulling from that, you know? And, like, like a ton of other action movies were pulling from that. And it wasn't because it was, like, a good movie. It was, like, it was, like, people recognized it was, like, it's doing something right. And we can we could potentially make a better action movie based off of that. And I feel like there's so many better movies. Like I, I think of like Die Hard when I look at yeah. some of these like Canon Films action movies where it's like the creators of Die Hard were like, all right, Canon Films sucks, but they are right on some shit, you know. And if we use those things and work it into our movie, then we can have a really good action film, you know. Speed. That's another movie that kind of reminds me of this whole Canon Films weirdness, you know. Yeah. Like I love, I love like looking back at Bloodsport, like after watching this this documentary, it's like, oh, that's where that weirdness came from. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that, and they you, don't even talk about Bloodsport in don't. this documentary. They but don't. It's a canon film, but right? They yeah. And and they they talk about they talk about um uh over the top and Masters yeah. of the Universe well, more. Well, they have to talk about over the top Masters of the Universe and Superman four because those were the movies that fu- were like the final nail in the coffin. Right. Well, because, they didn't, they never even finished Masters of the Universe, right? Like, no, they did, but like just barely right. because yeah. it was looking like there wasn't gonna be an. Well, end we to watched that Masters movie. of the Universe. Well, I know, but it yeah. was like like I heard I heard somewhere that like they like didn't finish they like it's all editing it's all in post oh okay yeah, I they wrapped it up. yeah i could see that for sure but it, yeah. it was this thing where and that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is at the end they're 
showing side by side and split screen Menachem Golan earlier in his career doing an interview and then they're showing the budgets of these movies and he's saying I would never make a 30 million dollar movie I wouldn't know what to do with 30 millions I'd, I'd make 30 movies but I don't like I'd right. feel like yeah. a criminal <laughs> taking 30 million dollars and while he's saying this they're showing like Superman 4 17 million dollars Masters of the Universe 22 million dollars over the top 25 million dollars <laughs> but that was like that was when they were like buying studios and like movie theaters and like just expanding at expanding. this rapid rate. and at the same time they were making upwards of 50 films a year That's yeah. which is bat shit <laughs> yeah. crazy that is like a major studio makes like seven on a year when they're making a lot of movies and they were making 50 movies a year all over the globe like yeah. they got movies going in malaysia movies going in america movies going in europe movies going in like to the point where like people like vice presidents of the company would hear about like a movie and be like i didn't even know this was in production <laughs> like i didn't know that we were making this movie well yeah and i love yeah. that you know because they talked about how they would they would just pitch a movie based on essentially like a poster and an actor. Well, that's like how they, they sold movies. Yeah, like yeah. when they had like yeah, when they would have like when they had like Chuck Norris, like it would just be like five different mock-ups of posters with like Chuck Norris holding a gun and like different backgrounds, and it'd just be like, all right, like make it up on the, like big it up on the spot, like pitching this movie well, like exactly on the fly, and because well, they like, would have to pitch to people who like didn't speak English and like certainly couldn't read a script so Menachem Golan would go into this interview with a poster and he'd just make up a story and then <laughs> like it's there in the room and then like suddenly they're making this movie because like some guy from Greece or something bought it yeah I, I, I love the story of Menachem Golan like direct when he was directing in Israel still and like they were doing it was after their big hit and they basically just had like free range to just do whatever the fuck and they were shooting on like a on uh the on the on the airport and like the pilot was like I'm done for the day like I'm done flying and everything and Malcolm Golan picks up an Uzi and points it at him yeah. and is like you will continue to fly you will continue <laughs> roll plane. camera you will get in the plane it's like, like that's just one of several fuck. stories about Malcolm Golan and the madman that he was in order to make movies when he was earlier in his career before he had even come to America um he's making a movie and his wife brings their baby to the set and Menachem was like Rachel come here give me the baby give me oh, the yeah, baby yeah. and he puts the baby in the back of this cart that's like a runaway cart in this high drama scene and his wife like lunges to grab the baby out of there he's like Rachel no not during the shot <laughs> <laughs> like he put his baby in like mortal danger just to get a shot in his movie yeah that's <laughs> he's crazy yeah no this is like I, I mean uh, like having just seen uh i know me and colin at least have seen the disaster artists yeah. and this totally like reminds me uh, in a lot of ways of how like just yeah like these like crazy like eccentric like people who just like i don't know they just have like this like commitment to like what they're doing and somehow like I, I honestly don't even know like how they got to the point that they did in terms of uh in terms of like canon and how they were able to even start this whole thing like it, it's just crazy to, to just even imagine because like, Urim Globus was like such a successful salesman and like um Menachem Golan was able to make movies so quickly and so cheaply that it's just like 
out of volume we managed to squeak out yeah <laughs> yeah but it's like for all intents and purposes like when you watch these movies which we have yeah through well, our well, shitty the reason movie why i first got into this was because of how this could made in us like watching all these bad movies right. and it was like i've got to watch the yeah. movie about these movies and and watching them it's like you can't help but feel it's like the people that made these movies have no idea what the fuck they're doing and like <laughs> Watching this documentary, it's like, yep, doesn't answer any questions here. Yeah. It still looks like they have no idea what the fuck they're doing, you know? But, like, and then it's like, like it keeps going. And, like, like one of the complaints I do have about the, the documentary is that I feel like it's pretty lazy. It's just, you know, it kind of reminds me of just, like, a VH1 documentary where they just interview people in a dark room, you know, and, like, go through the, you know, story and everything. And, and it's actually pretty manic, you know, because of just, like, there's so many tales and everything. You yeah. Know? Like, it, like... It, you know it, it is in you know in uh, chronological order what they're talking about for the most part but like at the same time it's like you don't really get any kind of well, moniker yeah, they, for that or anything they like don't that. dig deep into yeah. any particular movie or any particular yeah. like, and, yeah. and i don't i know they didn't do it on purpose but that that almost like to me that like plays to the yeah. craziness of of the whole fucking thing because it's just like it's you lose track of what the fuck like like watching it it's like oh they did that movie too oh they did that movie too oh well what about that other movie that they oh they're doing another movie like when did they do all this yeah it's just like well and then it's like you know they even talk about like how so many like movies they literally got like all of the filming done for it but because they like no longer had the budget for the effects like the movies just never got oh, yeah. finished because they would do like all of the filming for it and then like not have the funding to create like the effects that needed to supplement what was oh, happening yeah, yeah that happened in one of the last movies right <laughs> yeah like, it was one of these last movies in the guy like the director of it is talking about like a special effects movie is like a jigsaw piece and like they're them giving me like you can't have any special effects it's like just saying okay well now every 14th piece is missing like there's no way to complete this puzzle now right and it, like he talks about it, it was like it was absolutely heartbreaking to <laughs> so yeah don't literally do like all of the work on your end and like just literally and at the end just have it be like but, well sorry but what's insane is like this happened after they were already having to shut down movies because they were running out of money. Yeah. Like right. they were like still moving at this breakneck pace and they never slowed down. They never stopped to like lick the wounds. They never stopped to like get a handle on the situation. It's just like, we're going to gut it all the way to the wall until we literally have no money left. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What was it like? Uh, when like, uh, uh, God, who's his partner? What's the, you're having Globus? Yeah, Globus. Yeah. Globus was like all upset because they were like, they owed the bank a million dollars. Five million dollars. Yeah, it was like five million dollars. And uh, Golan was like, was like, why are you so upset? It was like, because like, you owe the bank five million dollars? like, I'm upset because we don't owe the bank a hundred million dollars. <laughs> and it's like, you're fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of the things that the documentary totally glosses over, and I kind of like... I kind of get why, because it was like, man, there is a whole movie story about that. Like, this is like about a whole documentary about that instance. And that's when uh, Globus and uh, Golan split. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, they talk about this, like, shady mobster Italian dude that, yeah, like, sided with Golan. Italian con artist. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he sided with Golan or Globus or whatever. I think he sided with Globus. I, 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 I just finished Anyways, watching this. And I don't know. Yeah, and, and, like, but he's, like, they kind of allude to the fact that, like, he's responsible for them, like, splitting and everything. And it was, like, and then they, like, just totally moved forward from that. And I was, like, no, wait, what happened there? <laughs> like, what did that guy do? He sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I do want to know more about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, uh, so one of the movies that really put them on the map was Death Wish 2. It was like the first time they're getting like an established, like a, a like wanted sequel to like a real legit movie from before. And it brought Charles Bronson into their fold, who they would then just put Charles Bronson into every piece of yeah, crap. Charles Bronson and Charles, Charles and Chuck Bronson Norris. Did. <laughs> Charles but it also Chucks. starts diving into Michael Winner, who is an absolute monster of a human being <laughs> yes he is <laughs> like yes he is just, like he the people and apparently it was just this thing he thrived on people hating him on people finding death wish 2 to be like a reprehensible film and like i haven't seen it i haven't seen any of these death wish sequels but just like the small bits of the rape scenes they show in the documentary oh yeah make me i don't want so upset that i'm like i never I watching this with it. but yeah. it's also just the way that michael winter worked like he would just abuse people right well i mean it seemed like he was pretty much in line with uh golem and globus though like they they didn't have any problem like like you just said like he put his own child in mortal danger like yeah he like like there's like in, in like all of like you know they're talking about like the uh like you know kind of like the uh the lack of like safety regulations on any set like on these movies where it's just like these a lot of these actors were like in right yeah in like in very like close to like dying situations in terms of like the the safety of the movies that they were filming and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that any of... The, I think they were all pretty shitty. Like, oh, they, yeah. they were all pretty fucking shitty. Like, uh, especially, again, like, when it comes to women, like, it was just... Well, yeah, because I was about to talk about, like, this the story with um, Marina Sirtis is, like, having to be lit. So she's laying there naked, and she's freezing. So the DP comes up and puts his coat on her, and Michael Winter, like, screams at her to get the coat off of her. Right. And... and part of me is like you can't do that to counselor troy because <laughs> it's marina Sirtis. but but yeah and it's also this thing that michael winter just couldn't make a movie without putting naked ladies in it like he had a legit chance with this movie um the wicked lady which had all these big deal stars in it and he just still had to fill it with like boobs wasn't that no about, like the period piece and it was like oh yeah. this is legit and then it's like oh yeah the... it's, it's a period piece with like sir john Goodgood in it like all these like legit like actors and then he's like yeah but i'm just still gonna put naked ladies in it yeah like, yeah for no reason <laughs> yeah um who is the actor that played the american ninja like michael I've... dudikoff yeah uh, dudikoff yeah. like i felt like that that was a sad story because that guy could have easily been like another Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or oh, like, he absolutely oh, yeah. could have been. Like a and, Bruce Willis or whatever. And I totally want to see that American Ninja Fuck movie. Fuck yeah! I, I actually yeah. want to see every one of these canon ninja movies. Because <laughs> they're going to be like terrible, but they're going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, gosh. I, I'm, I'm glad they uh, they talked about the apple a lot because that's probably my favorite. Oh, just yeah. As far as, like, I have, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was one of those ones where that's just Menachem Golan, like, putting his dream out there. Right. <laughs> and boy, was it not received well. <laughs> that would that was his The Room. <laughs> it, it is, actually. Yeah. It, it, like, if, if it was, like, his vision, like, fully realized. Yeah. Definitely Menachem Golan's vision. Like, that's his... I did love uh, when they were talking about Masters of the Universe too, and 
uh, apparently, like, Stallone was, like, talking about uh, Dolph Lundgren. He's like, you're going to get this guy lines? And I'm like, really, Stallone? Like, <laughs> you're going to talk about anyone? <laughs> like, yeah, if you're intelligible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this guy's lines. <laughs> that guy has a master's in physics. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dolph Lundgren is a PhD. Like, oh, yeah, he has a doctorate, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he has, he has a PhD in physics. <laughs> Dr. Dolph. <laughs> yeah, he's looking good. He looked good in this documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a uh, good for him, good for Dolph. <laughs> but uh, I love how the story about they've talked about this on how this get made too. But after the at the screening of the Apple, they passed out free soundtracks to the movie, and after the movie was over, the crowd threw the soundtracks at the screen, <laughs> and they were embedded in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then, then Menachem Golan was so upset that he left the screening and to go jump out the window of his hotel room to kill himself. And, and his yeah, partner and had, to run in, had to come in and, and stop, stop him. him. <laughs> Which is just insane. Like, if you've seen The Apple, it's like... And, like, particularly, like, just the his, the track record that the Canon Films had up to this point, where it's like, why did he give so many fucks about this? He gave... He had no idea what hippies were. And he made this movie that was, like, about hippies. And, like... Or he... Or so he thought. You yeah. Know? Like... It's just insane to me. And, like, it, it, if it was anyone else, like, that would absolutely end a career. That would end end it, end it all, yeah. you know? And, like, for some reason, I don't know. It's it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Like, I, it, it's evidence that they, like, like however they got financed and, like, how they ran business, like, were, like, obviously were monsters because that would end any legitimate functioning. Well, I, I think it was just they were so good at just selling a movie based on nothing based on a poster right but i mean they were also like constantly working in debt you know like they had they had to sell these movies they're raising money off of this movie in order to to make the the next movie right yeah and so uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah just pure madness right so like in conclusion i don't know if it was good for the for the movie industry to have the canon films experience Uh, i think it was i mean i think it's because they were able to like do this and like create a a perfect example of what not to do like it's a cautionary tale says at the end of the film like over the credits they're still having a few more like remarks one of the guys says the best like school out there in terms of what not to do is canon right and then there's this other guy who um works for a similar today type company a company that makes a bunch of you know cheap action movies called new image and he says we learned from canon not to overextend ourselves on our budgets not to overextend ourselves with the acquisition of assets and so now we're doing like a similar thing but we're doing it in a more responsible way Hmm. but without canon i don't know if we'd have a24 i don't know if we'd have like miramax i mean but they we might have we might have had them the earlier film. with better quality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like like they they took up so much industry that like I I don't know. Like it was just so much that yeah. like and just like the standards and shit that's like allowed from it. It's like I mean as much as I enjoy like my shitty movie nights and stuff like and you know enjoying those crappy movies ironically every I honestly wish every one of those were really good you know and like i feel like this kind of allowed for that to just i don't know well i think too like because there were so many like there are so many like talented and also not so talented actors who were kind of like either 
who were either like their careers were like perpetuated by canon films like to just be more shit like to have more shit right and then also like good actors who are were trapped in the machine canon. Yeah. yeah so i feel like yeah there there was definitely like i feel like there's some last potential that probably you know who knows yeah. what could have happened you know if you know bo Derek hadn't you know worked in these movies if Poor you know, Derek. like that, if, that was yeah, so sad, I if there'd been yeah. like, you know, 10 less Chuck Norris movies, like if there'd been, you know, like all of these different like equations and, you know, quantum mechanics of, right. of like, you know, film of how what the way things could have gone in terms of like a mm. Schrodinger's box of yeah. can of the canon movie, like the canon studio. Uh, like, yeah, who knows what could have happened? Like, I feel like there's. Yeah, there's there's definitely some good and, and there's definitely a whole there's lot of bad. There's definitely some bad. But I think <laughs> on the whole, it was a like a positive for movies just because it's like yeah, we can pave the way for the independent movie. Yeah, for the yeah, and, and also you know like a they're they're more popular now um, of like these independent directors like. Um, Oh, you know, like uh, I haven't seen the Piranha movies, but per, you know the, the like, yeah, purposely those, like, bad camp movies, you yeah, know? campy stuff yeah. that, or like Zombievers, you know, yeah. it's yeah. a blast. A- another thing that Canon did with be it good, bad, or indifferent is that they changed the landscape of how actors get paid forever, because over the top, Stallone was paid twelve oh, yeah. million dollars right. to be in that movie, and that was unheard of. Like, right, no one was paid right. something like that. He had previously Stallone would, like would max be paid like four or five million dollars, right. and so like that changed the landscape for actors forever because like oh well now that can happen. Right yeah. now, like my price tag's going up. Yep. Huh. I don't know. If, if, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if that. that's well, a good thing or a bad thing. Probably more of a bad. Because if you I'm think sure. about it, if you think about it, that means that these studios have had the capital to pay these actors this much money all along. You yeah. know what I'm saying? There's nothing changed. It's not like all of a sudden a shit ton of people started watching the movies. You know? Yeah. It's like if if all like get out of here. So what does that mean? Like, what else are they hiding? What else are they sitting on? What else oh, are well. they not? You know. I mean, I mean, with the number of like movies that come out as like fronts for you know money laundering. Oh, sure there's, there's we could plenty. do we yeah. could do a whole episode on um, the money on laundering on movies business. that are just money laundering. Yes, there's plenty. There's of a them. lot of them, and yeah, <laughs> it's like Adam Sandler's been involved in a few. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. That kind of wraps up uh, my comments and notes on this. How about you guys? Yeah, that's. Uh... I've just got a few quotes that I pulled from the movie just because that I love them. Um, the Christopher Purse, who's one of the vice presidents of the Canon Group, says, "I can't explain the apple to you. Can anybody?" <laughs> <laughs> was he like the the like uh, older like bald guy? The, yeah, like he was the the former vice president or whatever. Yeah, he, he was he was one of my favorite commenters because he was just like you, know, you could almost tell he's like I knew the insanity about it all and it was like whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, well, he seems like a guy who was just like I'm I'm along for the ride. Right, yeah. 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 Um, Richard Kraft, who is a music supervisor, says that's sort of the canon way. It completely resembles something minus good taste. <laughs> I love that, which line. is a perfect description of like most canon movies. Yes. <laughs> Um, and like it's schlock, but they sure do make a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, that's 
yeah that's pretty much it for me well excellent pick colin i can see why you were itching to talk about this yeah uh, and, and like i honestly even though i'm done with my notes and everything i could talk about this movie for like oh three god more hours, yeah but, yeah but nobody wants to listen to us talk that much so. <laughs> i mean it's the heart and soul of shitty movies like it's, it is it's it really is and um yeah to get a peek behind the curtain at the madness and just like it's it's insane yeah it really is um god i don't think that man slept ever i can't i can't picture <laughs> yeah. him sleeping I, I cannot and, picture Malcolm going yeah sleeping. i'm surprised just... cocaine did not kill him <laughs> um all right well uh that wraps up our uh our electric boogaloo um the documentary on canon films uh what's next craig so i've been pouring over documentaries and i still haven't made a 100 percent decision so i figured i'd bring it to you guys to see what you guys are thinking so i'll give the three different themes one is uh essentially the prison industry one is uh a documentary on uh the study of masculinity in american culture and then the other one is about a uh a trans woman lgbt uh, icon hmm what do you think colin should we pick now or should we wait on it or should we ask twitter should we ask twitter i think we should ask twitter all right i think that's a good one we'll see one. what we get yeah yeah i'm leaning more towards the prison one so yeah the three films are uh the 13th okay uh which is by uh ava ava i can never i never uh duverney um, okay and it's about the 13th amendment and essentially how uh slavery is still existent today right. within our prison system yep. Uh, the other one is called The Masks We Wear, uh, or I think that's right. And that one's about uh, the examination of masculinity in American culture. And That'd then the other that, one that's is... That's the one I would be leaning towards. Um, the Life and Death of Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, and it's about the mysterious death of uh, uh, the trans woman who pretty much like kicked off the um, like the LGBT q like movement as we know it hmm. in america wow yeah damn so yeah i'm fascinated <laughs> by all three yeah <laughs> all right yeah, so let's put it to twitter and see what the twitter verse says all about right. that one um okay uh move on to any recommendations any recommendations you guys got i actually have a few this week oh well go ahead kick us off all right well my first one is uh um i kind of mentioned at the top uh you gotta do a skeptics podcast it's a skeptics guide to the universe um could give you names right now on who hosts it i know it's a very smart uh psychologist i think he has a doctorate in it um and and his two brothers and uh, they have a smattering of very, very intelligible people on it. And it's actually one of the older podcasts, and it's been around since 2005. So pretty much since the beginning of podcasts, this thing has been around. And I mean, they're in like their 600s right now as far as episode count. It's pretty impressive. Um, and they'll have, I mean, pretty famous guests on. They've had Bill Nye. Um, they've had, a, if, you, if you know, the... Uh, uh, the youtube of youtube fame uh captain disillusion he's been a past recommendation of mine also a skeptic um but yeah it's uh kind of reintroduced me into the whole world of the skeptics movement which is just uh um it, you know the modern skeptics movement was started by carl sagan and it's basically um just accepting the world as it is uh based off of evidence and uh using the scientific theory uh, to determine how the world works and not using, you know, conjecture and, um, 
just made up gobbledygook uh which they <laughs> affectionately call woo woo um <laughs> so uh yeah that's uh that's one of the things that i'm i'm very much so interested in and as well as uh, there's a really good netflix documentary on the voyager missions called farthest and it's about voyager one and two that uh launched in uh, 1977 the program started in 1972 and um it is absolutely amazing i can't stress this enough how fucking cool it is because they show like all of like they, it's just, the documentaries have just done really well and uh like when they show the series of shots when they approach like uh, the far out planets because the missions were about studying the you know the, the planets beyond the asteroid belt so jupiter saturn uranus and neptune and when they first approach Jupiter, it's you get chills because you see like the series of images over a course of a few weeks, you know, and months, and it like gets larger and larger and larger. And this is like the first time that anyone has ever seen Jupiter outside of a telescope. Yeah, and it's just the coolest fucking thing. It's really <laughs> neat, even though I mean that's from like uh, when it finally made it there it was in the eighties, you know. So it, it's all old stuff, but like, bam! Did you see the new Jupiter images? Oh, from uh, Juno. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. Yeah. Yeah, the, the aurora borealis like going on and like the poles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like give a swirl. Oh my god, a swirl blue. Yeah. Just and like... there's new information coming out all the time. Like they just discovered that uh, the the red spot is like deeper than anything like ever. <laughs> 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 so yeah, highly recommend farthest. Um, so yeah, that's my long winded recommendations. Oh nice. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then I just I just found the other movie. The it's called The Mask You Live In is the one about masculinity, by the way. Um, but I have been I watched the first season of The Magicians again, and I remember reading the book by Lev Grossman. Uh, and Sci-Fi is running the show. I think they're starting the third season here soon. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I was kind of like, oh, they had the second season on Netflix. I hadn't watched it in a while, so I checked it out, and I actually like didn't like it as much when I first watched it. Cause I watched it like literally like the next day after finishing the last book. Yeah. Uh, but now that I've had like some time away from the books and going back to the show, I actually really like it. Uh, and it actually is a really, uh, it does a really good job of examining like mental illness and, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really enjoyable. So I recommend the magicians. It's kind of like, harry potter university so it's like uh it's like very like magic but it's like uh it's at the university like the graduate level right um so it's yeah it's very adult um harry potter for adults yeah and so yeah the magicians i quite enjoyed that uh season two i think was just released on netflix like a week or so ago so seasons one and two are on netflix uh i definitely recommend reading the books too Uh, i really enjoyed them as well uh and yeah Going cool. kind of in the complete opposite direction from documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, much. Uh, I'm going to recommend Glow on Netflix. Oh, um, even if like you're not interested in wrestling at all, I certainly uh, am not and wasn't. You aren't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a terrific show with great performances all around. Allison Brie is amazing in it. Mark Maron knocks it out of the park. It's it's a like fascinating story and like really well written, well well everything. Just guys, watch Glow because it's it's great. <laughs> all right, yeah. um, I've been wanting to, but I just haven't known anyone that has dipped their toe so cool i'll check it out now 
All right. Well, uh, does that wrap up this episode? I think that wraps up this episode. All right. Well, you can find this podcast on the Twitterverse at IWYTWT, as well as each and every one of us individually. I am at The D-Bucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Cullen Munch. And you can find all of our episodes on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT, as well as any and all podcast listening apps like your Stitcher. Like your iTunes podcast app or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. <laughs> uh, like your Overcast. Podomatic. Your Podomatic. Your Podbean. Uh, your SoundCloud app, if you're one of the three people that uses that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hell, you could even listen to the episodes that we post on Twitter because it uses the SoundCloud feed. So there are many, many ways to listen to our podcast. And if you find a way to listen to our podcast and it gives you a rate and review button, please click it. Rate us, review us, and we will read your review on air. It'll be fun. Fun for everyone, I'm telling you. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week for, uh, well, actually, go on Twitter and vote for the next uh, pod- or pa- podcast, next the next movie that we are going to review. And uh, join us next week for when we review it. So thank you. Happy holidays. Have a crazy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. And a happy Hanukkah. Bye. I want you to watch. Come on and watch with me. I want you to watch. I just watch this, watch this movie with me. I said I want you to watch. Watch the fucking movie.